Hello, and welcome to Pod Catalysts. I'm Peter Fenn, Executive Director at IABC, or the International Association of Business Communicators. And for this episode, I interviewed Jared Curtis. Jared is the Senior Director of Corporate Communications for Maximus, leading the company's initiatives in brand management, social media, and storytelling, and has developed award-winning strategies for internal and external communications. Jared is also a U.S. Army veteran. He holds a master's degree in strategic communications from the University of Iowa and is a certified project management professional in Lean Six Sigma Greenbelt. Jared lends his talents and insights as an IABC awards judge and has been honored as Reagan Communications and PR Daily's 2021 Communicator of the Year. He's been at the forefront of pioneering ethical and responsible generative artificial intelligence in business communications and setting the tone for future focus strategies, which we talked a little about during the interview. I spoke with him to learn more about the research that he's done recently, which is really interesting, investigating the impact of AI on content development within the communications profession and the ways he and his team are implementing the technology across their work in Maximus. Really enjoyed my conversation with Jared, and I think you'll also enjoy it. Jared, thanks for joining me. We're going to talk a little bit about AI, which is certainly a hot topic. But before we jump into things, can you just tell me uh, what do you do and just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Jared Curtis. I'm the Senior Director for Corporate Communications here at Maximus. Maximus, we're a federal, state, and local government contractor. We have about, oh, about 36,000 employees here in the U.S. And I manage internal communications, storytelling, brand, external social media. So... How I got there, kind of, my path was never linear. Uh, I was an Army veteran, uh, project manager, uh, program manager by trade, and kind of started a communications team about 15 years ago and stayed ever since. So that's kind of my journey. And were you doing communications in the military? Is that how you started? No, I was actually military intelligence. So I was a Russian and Spanish linguist for the Army. And no, how I kind of got into communications was I was project managing in a project management office. And my boss came to me one day and said, hey, do you want to start up a communications team for our project? I had about that time, about maybe 10 to 15,000 employees. And I said, sure. And so kind of got really got into it, started the team and been doing that ever since. Wow. Yeah. That's a very interesting career. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not linear. As I yeah. Said. No, that's the best kind. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so we're here to talk about the research. So what spurred your research into AI and content generation and, you know, how did it all come to be? And I just, like I said before, this is such a hot topic right now. We had our world conference in Toronto and mm-hmm. we had a couple of sessions on AI and they were packed. So this is something that we know people are very curious about and how, you know, how it can complement their work as a practitioner. So yeah, really interested to hear about the study. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed. I missed that. I usually come to the IBC conferences, but I just couldn't make that one. But uh, yeah, AI has been in the forefront for communicators here, at least, you know, since the start of this year. And so how I got into it was at the time I was attending the University of Iowa, I was getting my graduate degree. And for my capstone, my instructor asked for, for topics I, I wanted to do. And it was debating between two. I was one, I was just really wanted to call it in. You know, I just wanted to be done with my degree. I just didn't want to put a whole lot of big effort into that, that last one. But her background is research. And I proposed another topic because at that time in the news, ChatGPT was really hitting the airwaves and, and people were posting a lot of cool solutions with it. And I said, well, another thing I could do is a research topic on how AI 
yeah, I can fit into communications. And she said, yeah, you should do that. And so that's how I really got into it, the start of it. And with Maximus and my company and myself included, we're all about innovation, you know, trying new things. And it's one of those Peter Drucker comments, you know, innovate or die. That's, and that I think holds true with, with communicators too, is there's so many things that are coming down the pipe for communicators that we, we have to stay on top of it as, as a craft and profession. And so, you know, I wanted to see what the potential was for artificial intelligence within communications and how it could enhance. So really what we did was, or what I did was, I did some research first and foremost. And so I did a lot of literature research, a lot of journal research to see what other companies were doing. I also attended, uh, there's a Marketing AI Institute course called Piloting Artificial Intelligence in Marketing. I took that course. And then I also did some interviews with Zora Artists and Shell Holtz. Shells, I know, big into AI, and I know, I think he spoke at the conference, and Zora has been diving deep into it as well. And through all of that, I kind of said, okay, well, I got all the research in place. Now let's let's look at the practical application of it. So I did two things. One was I did a content development piece of the study. That was where we looked at multiple different AI tools, evaluated each one to select the tool that we wanted to use. And then we looked at uh, about four different use cases, thought leadership, long form to short form, social media, and we also do smart brevity, which is an Axios philosophy in, in providing concise content. And so we looked at that. And then also parallel to that, we did an employee study where we took the AI tool and we did three different things. One was I developed three different prompts on three different topics and had a human write the content alone on each topic. I did a human with AI, partnering with AI to write on each topic. And then I also did AI alone. And so we did a blind survey to all of our employees. I got 36,000, why not leverage them? And didn't tell them what the study was or what the survey was about, really just said, hey, I want you to evaluate, read and evaluate each piece of content rank it on, you know, readability and understandability and clarity and tone and the main point conveyance, those types of things. And we had them do that. We had about maybe six, about 6,000 employees respond back. So we had about wow. a 99% confidence level of, with the results. Wow. And so in doing the research, were there, what were some of the things that surprised you? Are there things that you didn't maybe expect or, you know, is yeah. it? Uh, lot, lots of things, really. You know, I, I always expected AI to help in many cases, right? What I saw with ChatGPT with ideation and some of the other things and the speed in which it can provide responses back, I knew there were some time savings there. What I didn't expect was, you know, in terms of our thought leadership, where you're taking a interview with a, a thought leader, taking that, transcribing the meeting and taking that and put, turn that into a blog post, that takes a lot of time where you leverage the AI tool, you can get about a 45% time savings with using the tool to help you craft that message. With the, with the employee survey, that was probably the most surprising to me because when I started pulling all the results, human with AI won out in every category. There wasn't one category with any of the topics that human with AI didn't win out. And then human was second, and then AI alone was third. But the AI with human really shows the, the, the power of the partnership that humans with AI can have in generating content. Because 
with our study, with our content development study, we also measured things like we use Grammarly for a lot of our, you know, our, yeah. our tone grammar, all those things. And yeah. there's metrics that you can pull from that. And through all of that, none of our metrics suffered as a result of using the AI. In fact, a lot of things improved, improved in word counts, improved in clarity, improved in in level efforts, and also the time. Not not in every case, obviously, but in overall, mostly, that's where we found a lot of the the savings. Yeah, and, and I'm curious. I mean, after you know doing this research, I mean, has this had a impact on your practice and you know sort of your recommendations for other you know folks in communication and and sort of how they can use this in more you know day to day practice? Yeah, we're we're all in. I mean, so after the study and what we showed the benefits of uh, again, it's a tool in the toolbox for the communicator, right? Yep. At this point, where we stand today, it's not a replacement. It's a tool in the toolbox. And I think we'll get into a little bit into why I believe that, you know, it's a tool and not a replacement. But for us, we're all in because we've shown that we do get benefits by using AI. And that partnership between the human and the AI leads to better content, leads to better outcomes. Social media is a great example where while when I talked earlier about the time savings, we didn't see time savings in content development for social media. Yeah. What we did see was a lower level effort. And I and, and before I get into the output of that, the question I asked my social media manager, I said, okay, well, why do you believe that it took you longer to use the AI than it was just to, you know, do it on your own? And she was right about it. She's like, well, you know, I have an idea in my head a lot of times. So it's just easier for me to put it down on paper mm-hmm. rather than coming up with a prompt, putting it into the AI tool getting the result back, editing it, and then putting it in, which that made sense. Very, very short form content. But the interesting part of it is the organic engagement rate compared to human alone with than human with AI. Human with AI had a better organic engagement rate by almost a full percentage or a percentage and a half. Wow. So, you know, that's pretty significant when you're when you're looking at those engagement rates. So again, it just kind of really shows the power of that or the capability that that partnership has. You know, you mentioned a course that you had taken, but you know, are are there, you know, what does training look like for communicators and AI? And, and it seems like, and maybe you likely know a lot more about this than I do, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot out there right now, but there are some things, but I mean, are, are there things that you're doing at your organization and have put in place to, to train your team? Yeah, there, you're right. There isn't a whole lot out there. Um, Reagan uh, Communications right now has a course, a certification yep. course for AI. We're, we are going through that just to kind of want to make sure we get the most up-to-date training. What we are finding out of that is it's validation that we're doing the right things. We're a little bit ahead of where they're at. But I think that training will come as communicators learn more. I've been at a couple conferences and there's a lot of a lot of communicators at this point are just like, eh, I'm not really sure, don't really know where to start, things like that. But training is really the number one aspect out of all of this because you have to understand what, what the tool is and what it isn't. You know, when people are going in and there's lots of proof points out there of people just kind of jumping into the tool and, and not knowing much about it other than, oh, I think it's going to solve the world for me. And if you understand like this Dunning-Kruger effect, it's a psychological effect of you kind of go into, oh, this tool is going to solve all my problems. But as you learn more, this wave kind of dips down and go, oh, 
yeah, it's not giving me what I need. And you start learning a little bit more about the tool. And then the bell curve kind of comes back up again, because as you understand the tool more, you understand what it is and what it isn't. So you know what it can do for you and what it can't do for you. So for training for us, where we started was we partnered with Writer, their generative AI tool, and they provided you know training on how to use the tool. But I had I wanted to take it one step further, or a couple steps further actually, is wanted my team to understand the ethical responsibilities behind yep. it, the the potential misinformation that can come out of it, all of those things, uh, bias, privacy, uh, all those things that we wanted to make sure that that we are protecting. So we did a couple things beyond just even just that training was, you know, we follow, we're all IBC members. We follow the code of ethics that IBC has, but we wanted to take it one step further. So we took your code of ethics and then also added a supplement to that. And what that supplement really provided was when using generative AI, we want to make sure that we're preserving the human relationship and connections that are already there. So AI, again, is a tool. We don't want it to be a replacement. So that preservation needs to stand. Also that there's oversight of the work. So as those outputs come out, that there's always the gatekeeper of the, of the communicator reviewing that content, inputs and outputs. And then I think really the last thing is with, with my folks, the social media example is a good, good example of that is I'm not requiring any of my team to use generative AI. So there's times where you just have an idea and you want to go for it, go forth and conquer. But but I wanted to make sure that my folks felt like that, again, there's this whole notion of replacement. Mm-hmm. And that with AI, while we show good results and benefits by using the tool, I don't want my team to be feel like that's going to be a replacement and, and yeah. they choose to use it and or not use it. Well, I think it's a good segue to a question heard come up, and that is, you know, about replacement, but, you know, in, in specifically like more entry-level work, you know, in, in the communications field. So is that a, certainly maybe not right now, but I mean, is that something that, you know, it will create a workforce shift, you know, in the next five to 10 years or, or so what's your, what do you think how that might, how AI might affect the entry-level work? Yeah. I think we can't toss it. I think we can't brush it off the table. It's it's there, right? So as AI develops more and more tools, I mean, we're seeing tools every day integrating AI in with it, whether it be a communication tool or something else. I think we just need to, you know, understand that there's probably going to be some aspects of what we do that, that might get, that we might be replaced on, you know, those those churn and burn type of communications, like outages right. and things like that. I mean, there's things like that that can be definitely done. And I also think, you know, as newer generations start to come into the workforce, colleges and, and schools are just not there yet with AI, but they're going to be coming. So you're going to get a workforce that comes in growing up with AI and generative AI and using it today. And I think as communication programs within colleges start to embrace it a little bit more, I think we'll start seeing that. I mean, there's so many things within marketing tool that too that are uh, really moving towards that. So, you know, I've got a couple interns and I'm making them making them go through this, this AI certification course because I want them to understand the technology and the power behind it and the responsibility behind using it. Because I think for us as a profession, it's that responsibility that we have 
in ensuring that we are good stewards of the tool and a profession and being gatekeepers of content that comes out. So I think as we start going through and looking at how generative AI comes in, you know, it's, it's going to streamline the task. It's going to accelerate learning. It can be used as a mentor, you know, as you start to look at like, hey, I'm, I, I'm not proficient in something. Maybe AI can help me improve in that particular area. It can close gaps for folks. So I think, I think there's, you know, going to be that balancing act that we'll have to look at between, again, we're looking at work today as it's a tool in the toolbox, as I said before. Yeah. Well, and, and I was interested too, you know, just, you know, as you were, I think recently, I don't know how recently you were out of your graduate school program or you, you just, did you get your master's? I, I did just, uh, just in May. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah, um, but I was curious, like, you know, while you were, you know, in the program, I mean, do you see the curriculum evolving, you know, within universities and, and, and how they're sort of, you know, I mean, is that a... I, I don't think they're there yet. I think, you know, as we've all gone through through school, uh, you know, it's all theory based. Right. So and while there's some application that depending on what school you go to, I don't think they're quite there yet because I think they're still understanding themselves and building out that curriculum if they do. A good example of kind of the resistance to it or the what I said before about what a tool, what understanding what the tool is and what it is. And I think it was Texas A&M University, one of the professors there, I think, in the agricultural department. He sent a note to all of his students saying, hey, I got your final papers. I'm going to run every one of your papers through ChatGPT and ask ChatGPT to evaluate your paper to see if anything was written by AI. And he failed over half of his class. And the class was like, well, no, I didn't write anything using AI. And that's where you have a person that doesn't understand what the tool is and what it isn't. And so, yeah, I just don't think people are quite there yet. I'm trying to get, at least with the University of Iowa, I've been talking to a few of the professors there about embracing it and teaching to it, because this is where I think the future is going to, or is going, is uh, ensuring that we are setting our profession up for success for the future, and that there there is a place for communicators in the realm of AI, because again, AI is built off of their word predictors, right? And they're trained and they learn off of content that's presented to them. And that those outputs need to have that gatekeeper. They need to ensure that there is someone there that, again, is preserving that human connection. You know, AI doesn't have empathy. It doesn't have emotion. All of those things, that's where we as communicators provide that value. And we have to continue to show that. And do you think that you were in this period, you know, in the next five years of just really rapid acceleration, like where this is not necessarily something that's, you know, at all incremental, but this is something that, you know, get ready. This is this is what's going to be going on across the board, you know, in terms of different organizations and, and the usage of AI, especially within you know, communications. Yeah, I do. It's and be, only because that I think this first year is going to be a learning year for a lot of people, kind of people are kind of dipping their toe in or, you know, they're kind of ignoring it for now. But I think, again, as as more tools and resources that we use every day, begin to integrate AI in with it, they're going to, it's almost going to force your hand a little bit to understand it. And again, my fear is that as as we as communicators start using those tools with AI, that we are not educated on the responsibilities that we have to ensure that the content that we are presented from the tool is filtered through a human lens before it gets out to our audience. Yeah. 
And just, you know, for those folks that might be dipping their toe or have yet to dip their toe, I mean, what do you recommend for them, you know, in terms of where to start? Is there you, <laughs> any words of wisdom for folks yeah. that maybe they're they're kind of sitting on the sidelines now wondering how they're going to kind of integrate into this, you know, this into their practice? And Yeah, I think it's a research. I, I think you have to start looking at, you know, what AI is and what it isn't, and then start looking at your use cases in which... You don't have to, you know, you don't have to boil the ocean. Just yeah. look at, like, we just started looking at four use cases to start off with. And, and now it's, now it's fully integrated into our, into what we do. So I think that's the piece is first block is really learning what the tool is, defining what your use cases are, and then, and start talking to your management team. Once you learn more, you got to get that support from your management. Or if you are the manager looking to get your employees on board to really understand how this could be applied and then start looking at the tools. You know, you need to look at what tools can do what, what can't they do? Are you just looking at from an image standpoint? Are you looking for, you know, like a chat GPT content development? And then once you've looked at your tool, do your risk assessments, understand and put together some standards and trainings and and then for your responsibility with you know ethics bias proprietary information the misinformation is you need to have some form of escalation whether it be your ethics team or whomever that is if you do have that violation that you're being transparent in a way that that you're applying that so a good example was when we put together our code of conduct and then we put some adoption principles together once we were ready to really fully integrate it in with our communications, we told all of our employees, we were transparent and said, hey, we're starting to use generative AI in our content development. Here's our code of conduct. Here's our adoption principles. You can go out, read them anytime. If you have any questions, you can let us know. And in every communication, we have a disclaimer that says some of this content in this communication, we may have used generative AI to help generate the content. But if you have any, if you want to know how we're using that, you can go out these to these two documents and, and learn more. So we want to make sure that we're being good stewards of how we're using AI, but also within the communications profession. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's really interesting. I mean, just around that, you know, because I was, you know, thinking about, you know, just for IBC and the evolution of our ethics standards and you know, how that's will need some examination as, you know, how that incorporates AI. But it sounds like you've already done a ton of thinking about this and, and how you've been able to apply it within your own organization. Yeah. So, yeah, we're putting together our case study so that way we can share it with the community of what we learned and what we found from our study. We're also going a step further. We're also building out kind of an implementation roadmap. So to your question, and I was kind of rattling off some of the yeah. things that uh, will be in that roadmap is, again, for communicators being good stewards of the community, we want to make sure that People are doing this in a responsible way. So we're putting together kind of that roadmap step-by-step of how you can do that responsibly and educate yourself on those things and hopefully provide some resources and, you know, maybe some training on how to even get started. Because I think that's the first step. You know, your question is, well, how does someone get started in this? And I think that's the hardest thing to do is knowing where just where to start. And that's what we're trying to do is, is take what we've learned through our journey through all of this, all the research that others have done, and really just put that in a roadmap that people can follow and hopefully learn from. Yeah. yeah. You know, I you talked a little about your company and just having this, you know, culture of innovation. I mean, so I, I'm assuming that your CEO and the the um, 
you know, sort of the corporate leadership are very much supportive of this. And, and I mean, I don't know if it's a mandate or if so much as just, you know, they, they want you to explore this. Yeah. Yeah. Innovation as a, as a philosophy, it's, it's one of our values. It's one of the values that uh, company values that we have, but the great thing is, so right now I report into the uh, chief of human resources. And when I talked to her about doing this study and even using generative AI, She's like, yeah, go for it. I mean, there was no hesitation behind it. So having that culture and having that that environment, I know that we're probably a little bit in the minority in that respect, Yeah. especially when it comes to generative AI. So that's the great thing about what I love about what I do within Maximus is having that, having a little bit of autonomy and, and ability and capability to innovate. And that's, uh, you know, segues into, the question of, well, how do I get started? There's a lot of companies that have just totally blocked ChatGPT from communicators. And I think even before, you know, you kind of jump into it, it all goes into that learning aspect, right? Learning what generative AI is and what it isn't. So that way you can pitch it to your leaders to say, look, you know, this benefits us and this is how it's going to benefit us. And taking things like what we've done and what others done, there's a recent MIT study out that just got released. And that was one of the other interviews I did with these two students, because they had done a study about adoption and how people started using generative AI. And then they did another check later on and looked to see what the percentage of people that kept using it. But they just did another one because I shared my case study results with them. They've done a follow-up study on the time savings that communicators had. And their findings were very similar to us, about a 40% time savings. And so I think that's where going to your leaders and letting them know, like, look, you know, I'm sitting here and burning out these communications. I can have a 40, you know, again, depending on your use case, 40% time savings, where now I'm freed up to do more strategic of things. And so I think that's where the pitch really has to come in. And then understanding in that pitch that, look, I'm going to use it responsibly. I'm not going to put any proprietary information in there. I'm going to maintain privacy, all of those things put in the safeguards so that the, the management feels comfortable. And that's where I said before, you really need management support in adopting this and get them to really understand the, the benefits from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have one question left for you. We ask every guest, what gets you up in the morning, Jared? Work-wise, what I love is every day is different. You know, in a communications world, you can wake up one day having a plan that you're going to do X and turns out you're going to do Y. And I, and I like that change every day. And I think the other thing is, what new thing am I going to explore today? Yeah. AI is one thing. We're get, starting to get into podcasts. We're starting, you know, all those things you start looking at of like, what can I explore today that's going to make, make us better or expand what we do? So that's, that's really what gets me going. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Jared. I've learned a ton. This has been great. So uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much to Jared for speaking with me, giving me a little bit of his time. Really interesting research. And I know that Jared had passed along some additional resources that we'll try to post along with the podcast recording. But thanks again to Jared. Really enjoyed the discussion. And thank you for listening.